0: The Talking Cure, Conversations with Jed Wheeler, is presented by the Office of Arts and Cultural Programming and Peak Performances at Montclair State University. Welcome to The Talking Cure from East Chatham, New York. I'm Jed Wheeler. Executive Director for Arts and Cultural Programming at Montclair State University, Artistic Director of Peak Performances, and today I am here with one of the most important theater artists of our time. Important for a variety of reasons, not merely because she has a vision for what theater can be, but because Stacy Klein has a vision for what community should be and can be, whether it's in the middle of a pandemic, or whether it's in the middle of a beautiful spring day. This is a wonderful person, this person, this Stacy Klein. She founded a theater company. No small task, founding a theater company. Let's just, let's posit some thought about that. Making a theater is one thing. Founding a theater is another. Grounding a theater, and building it in a community that did not have theater before she discovered the community is a major, major, major achievement. Stacy has a cohort of colleagues, and they're based in Ashfield, Massachusetts. The company is called Double Edge, and Double Edge has brought two remarkable productions to peak performances. The most recent was Leonora and Alejandro. And for a variety of reasons which we're going to get into in this discussion, Leonora and Alejandro will be presented again at peak performances in October 2020. Now, if that isn't a hopeful positive statement for those of you listening to me today, I can think of none other. We're going to make theater for people, despite all the obstacles, despite the barriers, and despite the tragedy that surrounds us today. So let's get started. Stacy, how are you today and where are you?
1: I'm in Ashfield. I am at home because although I could be at my wonderful theater, we don't have good internet in Ashfield except for in the center of town where I'm speaking to you from. So I would love to um show you or describe for everyone what the farm looks like right now but I'm here um, in the center of town right now.
0: Well the the sort of the context for this discussion really is community. And so and let's let's take it as fact that no one has been to Ashfield who's listening. What is Ashfield? Where is it? And when you discovered Ashfield, what happened? Um, So
1: Ashfield is a 1700 um, member town. Um, It's one of the hill towns in Western Massachusetts. It is about 30 minutes by car from Northampton where Smith College is and the five colleges. It is um, again forty-five minutes from the border with Vermont. Um, it's a very rural town. It is um, pretty much in the middle of nowhere. It's a an old farming community, and now it has a variety of activities um, and also converted mostly to organic farming at this point.
0: When I when I encountered, well, when I met you, and um, I would, I'm not even going to guess how long ago that was, but we're going to put multiple decades into this conversation. Um, You were working on West 4th Street, if I'm not mistaken, in in Manhattan. Uh, Am I right about that? Were you, where were you? We were,
1: we were performing at La Mama, so you're right about 4th Street.
0: That's right. Okay, um, good.
1: But we were located in Boston. I founded but, Double Edge in 1982 in Boston, so we're coming up on 40 years.
0: Well, I found I just I I met you or, and saw your work at La Mama. Yes. So you um, you, you uh, left Boston. When did you leave Boston?
1: 1994, 26 years ago.
0: 26 this years. month. And I mean, I just think it's such an amazing story. I can't, you know, just the most positive. The reason I wanted to start this podcast here in this COVID-19 crisis um, is because what you've done um, projects and represents the most positive energy possible today. I, you know, the, the barriers to making a theater are enormous making a theater in a community that did not have theater is it takes a special 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 vision and determination and resilience all of which I associate with and then to layer on top of it a beautiful creative imagination I mean you are a wow human being in my little book of things that are special about being alive. You exemplify that. But you've made a theater, it's called Double Edge. What is Double Edge? Why is it called Double Edge?
1: Um, Well, okay. So Double Edge started um, at Tufts, where a bunch of us PhD students got together and we decided, We were sick of not doing practical theater. I couldn't stand it for more than six months. Um, (laughs) I I thought maybe the idea that I went back to school was really bad. Um, Plus, there, there were no women teachers in the early 80s at Tufts there were no women being studied and I was from a history of radical feminist theater. Um, so I was like pretty much going crazy. Um, and so I decided along with my love of Greek theater. Um, so I was researching a lot into women's choruses and rituals and ancient things like that. Um, and that also went together with my work with Renata Maretska, Grotowski's founding actress. Um, oh,
0: yes, I remember her.
1: Right. So that started in the 70s, and I, I needed to combine this and move and um, not be bored anymore. So I um, did this performance called Rights, which was a modernization of the Bacchae set in a woman's bathroom in England. Um, And I did that at Tufts. And um, I made the men all go upstairs in the balcony and the women downstairs just to stir up some trouble. And um, it was really an incredible experience of these eight women who we worked with, um, made very crazy theater um, and decided to start um, doing theater in Boston as a feminist theater group. So Double Edge comes from the Labrys, um, the Duality, of the Greek women's choruses, the sacrifice to Dionysus, and also in sacrifice, the double-edged blade.
0: Well, there you go, that's, you know, things cut two, everything cuts two ways with you.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I just wanna update you on this uh, rites and Bacchae, that um, I'm now planning for my 40th anniversary, to work on a, a very large production of the Bacchae.
0: Well, just make sure I know the date so I can be there.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Uh, that's all, that's, you know, I'll be there for sure. Well, you've founded something called the farm though, but I mean, yes. it's, I mean, I mean, you've given us, you know, a, 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 a thumbnail treatise on feminist theater and the, and the directions that you've taken, but actually, Um, The farm is a collective. Um, Yes. um, I would, I find it fascinating that the impetus for Double Edge came out of radical feminist theater making. Um, And you've moved that into a community that is essentially a farm community. You found a farm. You, you set down roots and you've created a vibrant economic engine for, um, and I'll choose my words carefully because I don't want to offend anybody, but I, shall we say a, a community that was desperate for revitalization. Um, and probably in my imagination was not aware that a radical feminist theater group <laughs> would be salvation but that's not but that's true that's what happened um it's an amazing amazing i mean i just you know i want to talk about your art and what you create because as uh, you've heard you know uh, i don't think in my in my limited view that there's a theater theater company in america that has married two things that don't often go together and both spell success i mean one is um, a reimagining of what theater can be i mean in a truly avant-garde sense of uh, thinking of things that have not been imagined and actualizing actualizing them but at the same time creating a, a economic foundation that supports the vision but also supports the community in which the vision becomes a living, breathing mechanism for a community. It's an amazing idea, and, I, and, I, and I, I'm sure. There are others in different ways, but this, this is, to continue the metaphor of the farm, this came out of the soil. This grew out of um, an, an inspiration, Tell me about that inspiration. What What was that moment when you said, "Oh, I'm doing theater here, ladies and gentlemen," and we're not going to do any theater that like you've ever seen before?
1: Well, that is also a double-edged um, issue. I think. Um, I think um, just to move, turn around the. What I mean by radical might not be radical feminist in the way that people think. I mean, exploding um, the idea that people need to um, identify themselves in any way other than the way they want to. So, um, this didn't tie into a movement so much as a an insistence on being allowed to be ourselves. Um, and I think By the time of 1994, we had explored a lot radically um, of who it meant to be ourselves. And then we realized that we needed a space that wasn't um, confined. We needed to be outside. We needed to be able to work in the environment. We needed to relate to the land. We also needed to be alone sometimes. So the decision to move to the farm had nothing to do with the community. It actually had to do with us wanting to be able to be ourselves and find out what that was, artistically speaking. Um, Now, the fact is that we moved here. We found this place that was also like, We wanted the other place. We got this place. Um, So we didn't know much about what we were doing, or let's say I didn't. Um, I didn't really know what a rural community was. And so we just picked up and moved here. Um, We kept our place in Boston thinking we would perform there, but that didn't work out. Um, There was a lot of different reasons for the ultimate growth in Ashfield. And I think one of the main ones was we couldn't survive without the community. We had no idea what we were doing. We didn't know what three feet of snow looked like. We didn't know what nine feet of snow looked like, which was the first year we moved here. I had never seen a rat up close, so (laughs) there were a lot of things that we really needed some help with. I've never seen them. So, um, and then the community also was like, what are you doing here if you're not performing? So we started performing. And we performed what we had performed before. And that also was very strange to the people here. We were in the middle of the song trilogy, which was a cycle of work um, related to the Jewish diaspora in Central Europe. Um, They had no idea what we were doing. Um, What we did was we met them outside we decided to work outside. And so that was an opening to to the community. And then we decided, oh, we're gonna build a theater in the barn, not just a theater to rehearse in, but to perform in. Um, And then we realized that the, the community, and us we all needed a culture together we couldn't just um be isolated in our theater making that wasn't really art anymore so we there was a balance that was being struck a kind of dialogue that was being struck like if we're going to house people in the bed and breakfast down the street, we can't be hating each other. We have to really understand each other, what we're doing. So it started like that.
0: Well, now, I mean, jumping to, let's jump to last summer, 2019. You had, what was, you had a, out, you, your productions are indoors and outdoors. Yes, You use uh, the terrain of the farm, which includes, in my memory, at least two, at least one large barn and maybe two smaller barns, perhaps. But you also have a pond, a lake, you have fields, um, you have an incredible stonework uh, area.
1: Built by the community members that come and help us.
0: And people... How many people come to see your production? What was the production last summer? What did you do last summer?
1: I Am the Baron.
0: And that production ran for at least a month, if not longer.
1: Yes, five weeks.
0: Five weeks. Is that seven days a week or five That's days a six, week? That's
1: six days.
0: Six days a week. And how many people come to each performance?
1: Almost 3,000.
0: 3,000 people. I mean, this is... This is, uh, I applaud.
1: Unbelievable. Five weeks. Yeah. Now, the first year we did that outdoor thing, there were 45 people. And eight of those 45 were my family members.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so you had 3,000 people last summer. Um, And that's, once again, that underscores the power of community. I mean, yeah. the power of the art that you're creating respects the ability of the community to um, align with and um, cohabitate in a co-creative way um, in the farm. I mean, you're not nobody is seated; people walk from scene to scene. Um, there are even potential for. Um, Community involvement. I mean, and you have people are yeah. given the the permission to be who they want to be, within the context of what you're presenting to them. So that's that's a huge thing. But now, summer 2020, different rules. Yeah. Different 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 obstacles. Um. How, people may not be wanting to come together in the same way. Certainly, in this region, um, the major uh, festivals and performance spaces are closed, um, as they are in the rest of the country. Uh, But here, I mean, in the Berkshires, there was Jacob's Pillow, um, Williamstown Theater, um, the name name Two. Uh, This is a community that uh, welcomes people from all over the world um, to experience not just the vistas and the beauty of the land and the hills and being outdoors, but also the vitality of the performance community that lives and works here. Tanglewood is located here. Um, That's gonna change. Yes. I mean, this is, um, um, and how are you and um, your colleagues uh, coping with that? You you have a phrase on your website, which you describe yourselves as a living culture. Um, How does that living culture um, work with social distancing, work with separation, with isolation? Um, Because there's a certain commanding presence that your performers have when they're surrounded by people in different locations at different, with different attitudes, different age groups. Um, there's such a warm, uh, supportive excitement. Um, no one is being asked to pass judgment. You're asking them to participate to be with you on this literally, a literal journey. What's, yes. the, journey, what's the journey gonna be like this summer? Well,
1: I'm, I'm glad you said before um, something about hope and resilience because I think, and living culture, I think um, we can't get through this incredibly challenging time um, without culture. And we can't get through it without um, hope. And I think the hope is in us figuring out what we can do. Um, All About like a week after we were forced to come back from our tour, um, we're already talking about what can we do? What one thing we can do is open up the farm for people who want to drive here and walk around the farm and see all of the art that has been created over the years. And just be alone but in, inside of all of the art. Um, that led us to thinking, and several people have come or a family would come and they tell us and then we make sure we're not near them. We're not around. Um, so um, a lot of people don't have access to the outdoors right now. Um, and it, that's crazy, because that is the thing that's still alive here, that's actually thriving, um, as it's more dangerous for us, but less dangerous for our environment. So we we want to recognize that and share that. Um, that led me to thinking, what if we have 50 people, and those 50 people are divided into five or 10 groups that are either together or separate, depending on who they are, and We, and they go all over the farm in different ways and they encounter us all over the farm, in the pond, at the stream, in the air, um, from some safe distance. So I'm now saying six feet apart, but all together. Um, So I, I think that there are ways that we can imagine. And because we're not a theater that just has a season, because we're a group, um, we can dream and we can hope and we can do it. Um, So we're now working on this and everybody's thinking about their roles over the last 10 years or 15 years and what, Was most special to them in there, Um, what was most important to them, and what they could do in different areas of the farm. And the same with the music and everything else. So we are really actively planning this now. Today, because, you know, it depends, every day is bad news and then worse news or some good news or. So today we decided, well, even if we can only have 10 people at a time, we'll have 10 people every half hour um, or every 45 minutes. So we're definitely committed to sharing art this summer in a very safe way.
0: Fantastic. That is a, a tremendous message of hope and resilience. Just we'll just we'll just bottle it. We'll, <laughs> we'll share it with everybody. Tell me a little tell me about the tour that didn't happen. The um Leonora and Alejandro. Um where were you when the tour stopped because of COVID-19?
1: We were in Albuquerque. Um, Albuquerque was our first post-technical residency at Arts Emerson tour stop. So we had planned for five days of tech because it was the first performance. We were getting it all together um, and then performing. So we broke our backs and we worked like 10 hours a day and we got it all together and we did the performance and it was so great to do the performance. And the audience was so beautiful. And then the festival, right after, right after the audience left, we talked with the festival directors and that, that's the Revolutions Fe- Festival. And they said that they had to cancel. Uh, and we're like, um, yeah, you're gonna cancel after our performance tomorrow, right? And they're they're like, we can't do any more performances. I think the state had then put a stay at home, or it was right before the stay at homes actually. But they knew it was going to happen. Um, so we were really. Um, a combination of happy because it took us like almost twenty hours to convince the airlines to change our tickets at that time. we had we were going from Albuquerque to Los Angeles, from Los Angeles to Oregon, from Oregon to um, Detroit and there were some other stops for some of us in between. Um, So we had to really just change the entire thing and go home. Um, It took us another 10 hours to take down our set uh, because of the way it was put up. Um, And we got home really dejected. And I have to say that um, you were one of the first people that really, (laughs) I was like, wow, I haven't talked to you in months, and this is so great to talk to you.
0: Well, um, I, I don't have a con- control of anything um, ever, really. It, to me, it's just, it's just a question of, of keeping my eyes open and ears open and saying, oh, well, wait a minute, let's try something out here that um, um, could work, maybe it'll work. Um, I mean, part of, um, what I wanted to do. I mean, there are two things that I wanted to do when I contacted you. One, I wanted to tell you how important you are. And I, having been in the uh, touring business for as long as I have been, uh, had been, before I started at Peak Performances 15 years ago, um, I can only, um, I can only, I know, actually, more so than uh, what it feels like to have to cancel Um, a a well-planned tour Um, particularly for a work that uh, like Leonora and Alejandro which doesn't fit um, preconceptions about what uh, performance and theater or touring should be Um, you're practically um, you know it's kind of each performance is practically bespoke (laughs) uh, frankly Um, and I also felt that there was a huge opportunity, uh, you know, to um, record uh, Leonora and Alejandro um, so that people could see it in places that they would never have been able to see it even if you had been on tour. Right. And, um, And so because I'm like everybody else, the peak performances schedule was turned upside down and I had to shake things in different directions. And we had had to cancel some events of the current season. And I wanted to keep my promises to those artists. We then had to push, we found to find dates in the coming season um, with the expectation that there would be a coming season. Yes. There's all, let's put that little marker out there. and we are planning a season, but there had to be certain caveats and changes and things. And so as as the um, uh, chessboard shuffled around, the cards, you know, house of cards tumbled and I rebuilt them back up again. Um, I thought, well, you know, one of the things that I really wanted to do because Alejandro, uh, Leonora and Alejandro was a very powerful, powerful uh, piece of magical, I'll call it magical uh, surrealism, um, with grounded in uh, stories of two important literary, film, and theatrical figures. Um, I said, "Well, you know, let's 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 revisit this. Let's revisit this." And you then pointed out that um, you had, uh, unlike numerous other people who have to listen to my suggestions. Um, <laughs> go away and, and don't do anything with them apparently uh one or two of them landed well and and so you said well I want to show I have something I really want to show you so I said well okay um let's let's fulfill a couple of objectives and uh, not the least of which is is is, is experiencing Leonora Alejandro again and um uh, recording it for broadcast, uh, which is what we're now capable of doing, which we were not able to do. We didn't have that facility um, yeah. when you were there before. Um, and we have a partnership with WNET All Arts, which is a, um, basically a national all arts streaming and cable channel with mostly emphasis on streaming. Um, and this past season, uh, we were able to capture, don't you love that word? capture, we're gonna capture a performance. I feel like I'm a man with a butterfly net running around <laughs> the yard.
1: Yeah, grabbing. I thinking of a rodeo.
0: Well, there's the rodeo too, I mean, yeah, but it's the same image of something that you have to wrestle to, you know, but anyway. So we've captured five, we haven't launched them yet, but they're, you know, these are multi-camera um, events. These are not archival. These are performance, professional performance quality presentations. I thought, okay, let's do that with double edge. These are this is an important theater company that, you know, had the rug pulled out from one of them. Not that any others didn't. Everybody did. Everybody did. Um, and and life is precarious for everybody. But this was a work that we commissioned, and I wanted to, um, uh, and just at a very personal level, I want to see it again.
1: And I want you to see it again.
0: So we just operate from that. But so we're going to do that in October. Um, I think it's, I'll just put out some other things. I think it's um, even more timely now than it was when we did it, Mm. what, two years ago? Yeah. Um, There's been um, major uh, observations made about uh, Mexican artists. Um, influencing American artists, um, uh, I, I had not been able to get to the with the exhibition before um, COVID-19 closed the museum. Um, maybe it'll, in some in due course, maybe I'll be able to see it. But um, there's a profound amount of thought um, going into. The artists uh, there in in Mexico, some of them some of them concurrent with the time that Leonora was there yeah. um, and I'm fascinated by uh, opening up the context of Leonora and Alejandro and um, the influences that people had uh, that the artists in Mexico had on them, and conversely um, their influences on American artists and like you, for instance yes. Is, you know, I mean, so we, and um, I think part of what makes culture uh, very important is con- the conversations and uh, revelations that uh, people have personally, sometimes collectively. Um, and I think Leonora and Alejandro can do that and will do that. So we we welcome you and all of your pals, buddies, inspired colleagues, you know. Um,
1: Well, it it was such an inspiration to both talk to you and also to um, just your belief um, was one of the, along with our community, that support of art and culture um, on both sides of that was, I can't even tell you what that meant to us, to all of us.
0: Well, everybody on my side of the, in my team, love you, love everybody that, yeah. everybody about you, about, I, I mean, I can't, I can, uh, I could spend the day naming everybody. I and mean, you've got one of the most beautiful, beautiful group of people making wonderful moments for, for people to discover, you know, and to discover things about themselves because you show them your heart and soul. You know, this is what theater is about. There are no secrets. Yeah. There are no rules. You know, um, believe me, there are no rules. I mean, you know, there's no none. We make them up.
1: Yeah, that's radical. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, Stacey, I love you. Thank you for hanging in there with us. Looking forward to October. And um, hopefully we'll connect before that. And maybe I can become one of the five or six or seven people Um, that um, have a meander through the most wonderful location I've ever experienced in theater, the farm in Asheville, double-edged, the nucleus of the future.